Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra. Let's just show our appreciation to them. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a wonderful blessing they are to us uh, week after week. And I want to say a welcome to each one of you, especially those of you that are viewing today. We are happy that you're part of this service and glad that you are with us. I want to say welcome to those of you that are here, our guests, especially that are connected with Evangel University, Evangel College. Uh, we are happy that you take time to be with us today. And with our guests this morning, we have a very special guest that I want to recognize. I'd like to have uh, Jesse Peterson please stand, if you would. Now, this man, many of you may know him, you know of him, but Jesse Peterson is one of the original founders of Evangel Temple. He was with the first four, I think, uh, with uh, Ralph Kay and Alex Kamakovic and uh, Jesse Peterson, and he was our first uh, music director here and uh, choir director. He has a legacy of great music, and he is a wonderful gentleman that we say thank you today for your contribution, the love and care and the effort that you put in in establishing Evangel Temple in a library, amen, in a library at Evangel College, and I know he gives God the glory. Let's just say thank you, Jeff. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesse, for being here. And uh, make sure you, you greet him afterwards and say hello to him. Um, and uh, express your appreciation personally for the work that he has done. And here today, there's evidence and dividends of the great efforts that he has paid. And it's good to have others here. Um, look out, I see Herschel. Uh, Herschel was one of the first choir members, and I hope you approved of the choir today. And um, usually he jumps in there and helps out. And um, Herschel, we're glad you're here, and there's so many others. Now I'm in trouble because I've started listening people, but uh, happy that you are joining us today. Uh, also, on a sad note, um, I do want to take a moment to pay final respect to one of our viewers who is a faithful viewer each week. Um, being part of our Evangel Temple services and all the way from Florida, and that is Arthur Cheney, 69-year-old man who was found, uh, um, he had a heart attack, and um, he was found this week at his home. And Arthur happens to be my nephew. So um, he was a faithful, faithful watcher and uh, worshiped with us week after week, found the Lord uh, just recently in his life, and uh, Today, I have the confidence of knowing that he's with Christ and that we all have made a contribution to that. I don't know how many viewers are out there that may be in that same situation, but we are happy for our viewers today and um, especially <clears throat> praying for our family. This is the fifth death that we've experienced in our family in the last year. <clears throat> so needless to say, uh, it's a trial, and, and, uh, but yet we are happy to know where Arthur is today. We here at Evangel Temple have been doing a series on the parables of Jesus. And so those of you that have dropped in today, you get to get a little view of some of these parables. The one that we look at today is one that is found in the book of Mark. And it's dealing with end times. It's dealing with uh, the responsibilities that you and I have as Christians and believers and watching and hoping 
for the return of Jesus Christ. I remember it was a few years ago as I was a youth pastor, it was in the year of 1988. There was a small booklet that was circling around. Matter of fact, 300,000 of them <clears throat> were sent to pastors throughout the nation. There was 4.5 million of this little book that was sold. The title of the book was that of 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Was Going to Return in 1988. Some of you might have read through that book. I remember reading it and studying it. I remember sharing it over a series of Wednesday nights with the youth group. I scared the socks off them. I know that. <clears throat> and then I had concerns expressed from some of their parents because the kids were coming home from the youth group traumatized. You know, I've always thought that it was odd that so many people want to pinpoint the date of Jesus' second coming. Now, why do I think that's odd? Because I think it's odd because Jesus refused to answer that question of the exact timing when he was going to return. He himself did not know. And what kind of arrogance does it take to try to speak of something that Jesus confessed ignorance on? And so this book, 88 Reasons, as we looked at it, it was a wake-up call. The purpose and the motivation behind me sharing it with the young people was to bring them to the attention that Christ is going to come back one day. Well, when will Jesus come back? When is he going to come back? That was a question that's not only asked today, but it's a question that was asked in the time of Jesus. So Jesus, once again, uniquely shares a story. He shares a parable. He shares events in everyday life that people can zero in on of his time and understand, or at least thought-provoking ideas. Today, the parable that we look at is in Mark, the 13th chapter, verse 34 through 36. If you have your Bibles, those of you that are at home and those of you that are here, I invite you to turn along with me and let's look at this parable. Jesus says, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house, he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Sleeping. When you came in this morning on your chair, there is a unique communion set. Okay, this is kind of a COVID-related set because we don't have to handle things. I hope that you didn't sit on it, but uh, somebody thought it was a timer and they were going to time my sermon today. If you flip it over, you know, it's not going to produce any type of timing effort. And we look at timing today. Jesus is explaining here to his followers that they need to give activity in their time and watching for his return. The man going on the journey here in this parable is that of Jesus Christ. We find that those who um, are there, the servants, are the disciples of Christ, the followers of Christ. 
the ones who have established the church and the Christ followers who maintain it. And the emphasis is keep your priorities straight. Keep your eyes upon Christ. And instead of hiding from the horror and hiding from the terrible events that are around them, they need to focus on obeying God and remembering that Jesus Christ will return soon. It sounds like a layout for our day and age. There are horrible things that are happening. There are events that are around us. The world is changing quickly. But our main focus should be that upon the return of Christ. Each one of us have a role. Each one of us have a work in the church. We recognize a gentleman this morning that his work has paid tremendous dividends as he sits here and listens to a wonderful orchestra and choir. But you know, each one of us through the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have a job to do in the church. Some serve, some teach. There are others of you here that encourage. There are others of you that give. You lead. Many who show mercy. And others who have extra wisdom. Others who have knowledge. Others who have faith. Others who have gifts. Gifts of exhortation. Gifts of the Spirit. Others who have discernment that reveals if a spirit is good or if a spirit is evil. But all of us have one thing in common. We are all called to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But we must use our gifts. You see, there's more to our work than just the church. Those of you that are parents, those of you that are grandparents are called to raise kids in the love of God. Others who are employees are called to be faithful and to be honest and to exercise your life with integrity and do the best job that you possibly do, can do. Citizens are called to obey the law. And we are called to show the love of Jesus Christ, all of us, to our neighbors and to our enemies, to those that may not be just like us, to the person in our congregation who may be struggling the person that's going through a trial, a person that's going through an event or maybe depressed, a person that is addicted to a habit. Do we ask them to leave? Do we ask them to, to not come back? No. We are called that we would love and we would care for these individuals. You see, the unknown timing of Jesus Christ as we consider this parable should inspire us to work diligently. The unknown timing of Christ's return should inspire us not to slack off, but we would be people and individuals that are found as we prayed this morning along with the choir, faithful in what we do. Paul insisted that this message of Jesus Christ was one for us today as followers. When we look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 16 and 15 and 16, you find where the Apostle Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Another description of the days that we live in. Jesus cautions us to expect him at any time. And in order to do this, he uses a parable. He uses this story that comes alongside his point. 
And with that point, he shares several factors to those who listened to him in that day. The first that comes to my mind is he says, you are in charge. We are in charge. Verse number 34. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house. He puts his servant in charge, each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door, keep watching, keep watching. Jesus has left his house in the care of his servants. It is his disciples' responsibility, ours' responsibility of conducting his business here on this earth. Everyone has a personal task. There's nobody that's left out in this equation. Jesus leaves no one out because as you look at this 34th verse, what you find, it's like, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. He tells the one at the door, keep your eyes open. When Jesus Christ went away, he didn't leave everyone in charge of everything. What we see here is that he had a logical division of labor. He had, uh, there were different kinds of jobs that needed to be done. And people who had different types of responsibilities and also abilities to do these jobs. We are all gifted, church. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are gifted, and Jesus left everyone with an assigned task. And the way we know that we have been assigned to do a certain task is to figure out what he has made you good at. Let me give you some examples that come to my mind. Are you good at helping others in practical and very physical ways? Probably, if so, you are gifted to serve. Are you good at providing funds to see that the work of the Lord moves on? If that may be you, probably you are gifted with giving. Are you good at teaching the Bible? And there are many of you here that are experts at that. And God has blessed you and your professors. And the Lord has anointed you and given you such ability. Probably he's gifted you with teaching, most likely. Are you good at sharing your faith? then you may be gifted as an evangelist. The list goes on, but figure out what you're good at and find the job that fits. And we also learn, not only are we gifted, but we have the responsibility of staying alert. You see that, and uh, if we can back up a little bit to Mark uh, 13 and start with the 32nd verse. Today, we started with the Verse that uh, was beyond that, but the 32nd verse says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. Now, verse number 33 says, be on guard, be alert. You don't know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house. He puts his servants in charge and each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door, keep watching, keep watching. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows are at dawn. If he comes, suddenly do not let him find you sleeping. Repetition in the scripture is something that draws our attention. 
We should give immediate attention to the emphasis of it. And look how many times Jesus cautions us to be alert. In this text, he says, be on guard. This text, he says, be alert. Keep watch. Do not let him find you sleeping. Watch. At least five times we find the command in this space of just a few lines that warns us, open up our eyes. In Jesus' day, by the way, the servants of the household, they were subject to their masters. And if the master came back and found that they didn't do their job, if the master came back and found that the, there were unexpected or unacceptable situations, the penalty could be as severe as being executed. That's not the kind of household I'd like to work for, but it's a warning. The parable here that Jesus is telling, and those listeners know it meant to evoke a feeling of great danger and dread. I don't want to be caught not uh, being faithful to the master when he comes back. Jesus warns us many times that his coming will be unexpected. His coming in this passage, uh, he is more emphatic than he is in many passages. So the next thing we learn from this text is watch. Let's be watches. This is the big point of the story. How do we watch? We watch by seeing that our duties are being done and not allowing ourselves to dismiss Jesus' return and have an attitude that, well, I don't know if that's going to happen today. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would admit it or those that are Christ followers that are watching today, but somehow our expectations of this event that we are looking at today takes an occasional turn to dismiss the event, that we write it off, that we get relaxed in our Christian walk and our Christian conduct. Peter predicted that this would happen in 2 Peter, the third chapter, verses 3 and 4. Peter writes, he says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he's promised? And ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Be careful that we don't fall into that trap. When we think that we will not be caught by Jesus' return, that allows us to do things that we would never think about doing. And our world is in that state today. Our churches are in that state today with a capital C. People doing things that they never thought they would do. Jesus Christ could walk through the door any moment. But Jesus assures us that this unexpectedness is part of the plan. You see, the four times that he gives for us to expect his return is there in verse number 35. He says in the evening, he says in verse number 35, midnight, when the rooster crows and he also speaks of the dawn, he gives us the warning. And these are not random descriptive times, by the way. They're four watches of the night that was used by the Roman centurions. The people understood what Jesus was saying. He made it very clear the rooster 
This crowing was the time between 1 and 3 a.m. Today, neighborhoods are allowed to have chickens. You can have up to X number of chickens. But once your neighbor gets a rooster, it's all over. Because that rooster will keep you up. 1 to 3 a.m. And this, by the way, is the time frame in which Peter denied Jesus, when you think about it. People didn't travel at night. It wasn't safe. You couldn't see much. There, there were bandits. The roads were not lit up with street lights. And between the obstacles in the road and wild animals and bandits traveling at night, you know, they were most unexpected. But consequently, it is also the time that people are tempted to sleep through the watch and they're tempted to not be awake. But Jesus says, the time we least expect it when he will show up, and we should not be caught sleeping. We should not be caught dozing. So the real issue here in this text today is not if or when he returns. The issue is whether or not his followers, you and I, are ready. You and I are watching. You and I are hoping and anticipating. What will we, will be, what will we be doing in this world? Will we be found faithful, as the choir shared with us this morning? Or will we be longing and expecting his return? Or will we be casual and not looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ? Today, in closing, I want to bring our attention to the word of God that is found in 1 Corinthians. In your seat... I hope that you have in your possession, which is not a timer, but it's a unique communion element. If you tear off the bottom piece and you can just do it halfway, a wafer is there for you. And then when you tear off the top, we can drink together. It's been a long time as a congregation that we have done this together. But the reason why we do it today is because we find in Paul's writing a reminder it's in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 26. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The very act that we are getting ready to participate in is one that was established by Christ himself. You see, he knew the shortness of human memory. He knew how we would fail we do so. You forget where your car keys are. You forget somebody's name. You forget where your glasses are. But we don't forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so he has established a simple memorial that we would not forget, and we would do this until he comes. And each time we do it, we proclaim his death. Today, we look forward to his coming. The scripture tells us, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for what we hold in our hand. We pray, God, that we may be found faithful. I pray for those that have an upset spirit today, those whose life is not in order with you, that at this moment 
they would say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Jesus Christ, come into my life and change my life. God, that I may walk with you. I may be found faithful in you. Lord, that my eyes may be opening to your watch. And Father, we anticipate that great day when you will return. And we ask now your blessings upon these emblems. In Christ's name, amen. Now I ask you to tear the bottom off and take the wafer in your hand. The scripture once again says the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he given thanks, he broke it. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The common denominator of our faith in Jesus Christ is right here, folks. Throughout this world, people today, people at other times of the day partake. And this is the foundation of our faith, reflecting upon Jesus Christ. We've asked God to bless the bread. Let's partake together.